goes on is that sometimes we're so scared of God being God that we want to try and put God in a box. I'm telling you, if you can put your God in a box, he's not worthy to be worshipped. God refuses every box because he's God. And so we have to be willing to say, I don't know everything about it. I'm going to retain my sense of mystery, not in a way that pulls me from God, but makes him even more fun to follow. Because you're like, Lord, I would never have guessed that you were that way. If God is infinite and we're finite, it would stand to reason that we don't know as much as Him. But the longer we know Him, the closer we can get. As Pastor Daniel describes today, there are things that spouses learn about each other over the course of a marriage. But even then, they can't know everything about each other. God, in His wisdom, knows when to give us information and when to keep it from us. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, Love's Fulfillment. And that's a struggle in this day and age. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Listen to what he says. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, when we walk by sight, we get tied to the temporary. But when we have the perspective of the Spirit and we look at eternal things, the way we choose to go about life changes. And we realize that suffering, this light affliction that the Apostle Paul speaks about, it's but for a moment. But what does it do? It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. See, in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is talking to this church in Corinth. He's saying, look, you realize that my life's been hard that I've suffered for the cause of the gospel. He's like, look, it, this light affliction, it's for a moment. Why? It's working for a far and exceedingly great weight of glory. He's saying, look, it's going to be hard in the here and now, but I'm working for something that has returns on into eternity. I think the reason so many of us fail to take steps of faith is we're so focused on managing the temporary afflictions that come from following hard after God And we forget that when we step on out with an eternal perspective, although it's hard in the here and now, it has reverberations to eternity. And we have to battle. You have to battle. I have to battle. Say, God, I need to let the temporary things be temporary. And I need to keep the eternal things as eternal. I need to make sure that in the urgency of a life full of temporary afflictions, I say, Lord, I want my heart set on eternity and my life being geared to be used for eternity. That's why I think we need each other so much. 
as community because we need help keeping our eyes fixed on the prize. We need help to say, in the here and now, this is hard, but it's going to have a glorious impact. You think of Jesus when he's sweating drops of blood in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there's any way, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. He knows that what's in front of him the next 24 hours are going to be the most brutal in, in the history of humanity. Not only the physical pain, but the spiritual anguish, knowing God's perfect hatred against sin. And he's going to become that sin. He's going to receive all the punishment for that sin. Oftentimes, we think about the cross purely on physical terms. And that sounds awful, more awful than I can even imagine. But then you put it into the spiritual realm where Jesus is receiving all the judgment for all the sins that every one of us and all of humanity throughout history has ever committed. That's what the cross is all about. But it says in the book of Hebrews that for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's now sat down at the right hand of the Father. See, Jesus knew that was going to be awful, but for the joy that was set before him, knowing that millions upon millions of people from every tribe, nation, and tongue are going to receive God's grace and his love and be indwelt with the Spirit. And Jesus is like, man, this is going to be hard, but Lord, if there's no other way, I'm going to do it knowing that it will be for eternity. Praise God. He did that for us. And then you look at the Apostle Paul and the other apostles and the great cloud of witnesses throughout history, people who said, I am going to leave the comfort of a worldly life, and I'm going to step on out, and I'm going to suffer for the cause of the kingdom. And then God asks each one of us, are you willing to let temporary things be temporary? Now, like, you hear this message and you think, okay, God's calling us all to be missionaries to outer Mongolia or whatever. I've never actually been to outer Mongolia, but that's like a good pastor term for like way out there, you know? But really, I believe that keep letting temporary things be temporary for a lot of us is absolutely not changing anything about our present lives except holding it all in a completely different way. We need good, old-fashioned American people living in America doing all the jobs that we all do. We need God-loving grace and spirit-filled teachers and business people and bus drivers and construction workers and contractors and writers and students. But in the midst of whatever we are doing, we need to say, I need to make sure I keep temporary things temporary and eternal things eternal. Because prophecy, tongues, knowledge, they're imperfect and temporary, but love is eternal. It never fails. Why? Because God is love. So we need to let temporary things be temporary. That's a perspective change. It is for me. I figure I'm just like the rest of you all, trying to figure out, okay, how do, we, how do we walk with Jesus this life? However many days he gives us, we need to let the temporary things be temporary. We need to keep our focus on the eternal things. And love 
is permanent. It never fails. Now look at verse 9. It says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. Now, this verse teaches us that we need to retain our sense of mystery. Retain your sense of mystery. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. See, he's continuing to talk about prophecy and knowledge, but what he's saying here is that there are things that we know and there are things that we don't know. And if you look at it and you add it to verse 10, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. So part of the perspective that you and I need is to retain our sense of mystery knowing that we don't know everything. One definition of wisdom is knowing what you know and knowing that you don't know a lot of things. And I say that we need to retain our sense of mystery because this is actually talking about God. We know in part and then we speak in prophesy in part. Now you think about the prophetic word of God. Now all of the Bible is prophetic. Somebody is speaking as the mouthpiece of God, but we have huge sections in the Bible of prophets. Now you realize in the prophets, they're saying these things. They don't even know what they actually mean. And the New Testament makes that very, very clear that they didn't even realize some of the things that they were talking about. They were speaking out this stuff and they didn't even know what it all meant. But when Jesus comes and he comes as a fulfillment, everyone's like, oh, That's what they meant. Didn't even realize it. See, for you and I in our perspectives, we still need to keep a healthy sense that one, I don't know what I don't know either about God or other people. Now, I say that realizing that culturally speaking, we live in a day and age where because we need, I'm telling you to retain your sense of mystery, people will take that to the end and say, well, we can't know anything about anything. Right? And that's a problem. So when I say retain your sense of mystery, this book, the Bible, this is truth. It's God's truth. Right? And so when something is in the Bible, we hold it as truth. But how we hold the things in the Bible, sometimes we don't know what we don't know. Does that make sense? And so we need to retain a sense that maybe God is a little different than I give him credit for. Maybe God doesn't dislike the people I dislike. Maybe God doesn't love the people the way that I think he does. If God is infinite and we are finite, then we need to remember that there is a disparity between who God actually is and what we know about God. Now, if you think about that in regards to the people who you're closest with, that's true as well. The couple who's in this room who've been married the longest, they might know each other more deeply than any other couple, but I'm quite sure that they wouldn't say that they know everything about everything about everything about that person. No matter how long you've been married to someone, there are still nooks and crannies of their character that you don't know. There are things that you've never realized about them, no matter how long you've been married to them. And if that's true on the human level, which it absolutely is, right? How much more so is it true on a humanity relating to the almighty covenant-keeping, grace-filled, and merciful God? So we have to remember that there are just some things that we don't know. 
And I believe that we need to learn how to worship with the midst of mystery about God. Sometimes God doesn't give us all the answers. I don't know how many times in a prayer meeting I've been like, Lord, I just need the answer. I need to know how this works. And God is absolutely silent. It's like, well, come on, Lord, I'm your kid. I don't know how many times my kids want to know something that they're just not allowed to know the answer to. That's why I've been reading. So this is a classic one. So I've been reading the Bible with Obadiah. It's so cool. He just finished like a, like a, a story Bible, 400 pages. He'd read a page. I read a page. So it's so much fun. If parents, if you're reading, if you have kids, read the Bible with your kids. It's so fun. Obadiah now graduated to a, an adult Bible. Looks, um, it's like we have like matching Bibles. Yeah, we plan that, you know. But it's funny. So I'm sitting there with Obadiah. He's nine years old. We're reading the Ten Commandments. He says, thou shalt not commit adul- adul- adultery. What's that? Don't worry about it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how that went. Snapshot in my house. That, what's adult? No, don't worry about it, buddy. What's it like? Um, it's like doing what you're not supposed to. Like taking Maranatha's toys. Yes, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> now, I don't do that because I don't love my boy. I just don't want to have that conversation with a nine-year-old. Right? It's like I love him enough to be like, you know what, man? Not yet. Not, it's not not ever. It's just not yet. But you know what? What's interesting? There are certain things that it's no not ever for my son Obadiah. Because as his parent, I love him enough to realize that the intricate details of his parents' relationship, maybe how he got made by his parents, I'm not going to talk about those details with him. Right? Not going to talk about it. That's not for him. And I'm just talking straight human level stuff, right? Isn't that true for God and us? That there's just certain things that God's just like, no. Isn't that what Jesus said to his disciples? Like, I, I would tell you, but you're just not ready for that information. Right? We need to retain a sense of mystery in the things of God. Because there's all sorts of things we know. And guess what? There's all sorts of things we don't know. And I think what it does is when we remember that God doesn't tell us everything about everything, he tells us just enough, exactly what we need for life and godliness, then we can hold our feelings of certainty with a generous spirit, a generous heart. Now, you think about that. You look at the way worldviews have gone in the West, modernity, the enlightenment. I'm going to tell you every detail about everything. They actually believed that you weren't going to need religion because science is going to tell you everything. And so if you look at the enlightenment and what came after it, everybody has every single piece of information. We are certain about everything. And you know what happens after a while of that kind of a mentality? All of a sudden, everyone realized, maybe we really don't know everything about everything. And now the pendulum is swung all the way to the other side where it's like, well, who can know anything about anything? And you have this relativistic style of morality. See, we need to stand with one foot in both camps. We're like, look, there's some things we absolutely know. And there's a whole lot of stuff we don't know. We know in part and we prophesy in part. And when you realize that you don't know everything about God and you don't know everything about somebody else, then you say, when you have that feeling of not love but judgment, when you have that thing like, they're so wrong, but you don't actually know the details, when you make decisions based on a very little bit of information that you concoct and put it together, what you realize is that 
I'm not retaining my sense of mystery. Maybe I don't know what's going on. Maybe I don't know what they're thinking. And then all of a sudden you say, since I don't know if I really know what they're thinking, I'm going to love them and I'm actually going to find out. And now you don't have a severing, but what do you have? You have a bringing together again. You have a you have communication, you have relationship. And I think what goes on is that sometimes we're so scared of God being God that we want to try and put God in a box. I'm telling you, if you can put your God in a box, he's not worthy to be worshipped. God refuses every box because he's God. And so we have to be willing to say, I don't know everything about it. I'm going to retain my sense of mystery, not in a way that pulls me from God, but makes him even more fun to follow. Because you're like, Lord, I would never have guessed that you were that way. I don't know how many times I read in the Bible, I see something, I'm like, God, I just don't get who you are. And God's just like, yep. But we're learning every day. Just like with my wife, I've been married to Lynn for 10 years. I'm learning new things every day about her, things I never would have known. I'm like, wow, I didn't, know, I didn't know that. And I think for the rest of our lives that God gives us together, we're going to learn things about each other. We never, I didn't realize that. I didn't. Oh, oh. But what happens if you don't retain that, either in your relationship with God or in your relationship with people, you start to just assume you get it. And then you box them in, right? Like, this is who you are. You've, you've always been that way. Right? And that's not a hopeful love. That's not a believing all things love. It's not a permanent love. It's situational. It's based on one view of it all. So we need to retain our sense of mystery. Why? Because we know in part and we prophesy in part. There's some things we get. There's some things we don't. And I'm reminded, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this. But it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear is heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now think about what that says. It's saying, look, what God has prepared for you, nobody's seen it, nobody's ever heard it, and it's never even entered into your heart. Think about what that means about your present and your future, that no eye has ever seen it. Nobody can say, this is what's going to happen. It's going to go this way, this way, this way, this way. No ear. It's never even been heard. You can't even fathom the things that God has prepared, both in the temporal, this life, and the eternal life. So every time you read a book on heaven, or you watch a movie about a little boy who goes there or whatever, it hasn't even entered into the heart of humanity, the glory of what God has prepared for us. I mean, it says that in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. And pleasures forevermore. Now, the word fullness in the Hebrew, it doesn't mean up to the top. It means so much up top that it's flowing over the sides. Now, I'm a happy person by and large. I do not know fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Like when I think of pleasures forevermore, I think of the first bite of eggplant rollatini into infinity. I can't even fathom that. Just like so good. For eternity. Now, if you don't know what eggplant rollatini is, just Google it. The pictures will make your mouth bars. It's amazing. Imagine that for eternity. And then realize that that's such a terrible example of eternity with God. Like the most pleasurable thing 
for eternity, overflowing. We need to retain our sense of mystery. Because eye is not seen, nor ear is heard, nor has entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Look, and if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord, and a lot of people haven't because they're like, I mean, how can you know if it's really real? I'm here to tell you that you will never see until you believe. You'll never see. Because you'll always find a way to rationalize why it's not what, it's, it, what it really is. But if you would take the simple step of faith of a child and say, I believe, then you'll see the hand of the Lord in the land of the living in a way that you never imagined. You'll be blown away. And not that everything will be easy. God never promised us that everything would be easy. God promised us that no matter what happens, he'd be with us. And I'm here to tell you that you and God in the midst of calamity is way better than all the money in the world without him. And for many people, you've had to experience that to realize that. You got all of it. You're like, yeah, and it's totally empty. And then you end up like Job losing everything, but the presence of God is so tangible that you're like, I wouldn't trade it for the world. We need to retain our sense of mystery because God's ways are infathomable. And then finally, verse 10, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Think about this. It says, whether there are prophecies, they'll fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. We need to keep those temporary things temporary. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. All right, we need to retain our sense of mystery. And now, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Now, that word but, you guys know I like that word, right? Because it's a contrast. It's saying, because it's but now this. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. This reminds us that Jesus is love's fulfillment. Jesus is love's fulfillment. This idea, when that which is perfect has come, that word perfect means the idea of the destined end or the aim, the completion, full maturity. When that which is perfect has come to its settled end, and that which is in part will be done away with. And this is absolutely pointing us to the return of Jesus. That when Jesus, who ascended into heaven after the resurrection from the grave, when Jesus comes back, when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be what? It'll be done away with. Jesus is As Pastor Daniel clarified today, we can't know everything about God, but more than that, we shouldn't know everything. Thank goodness we can't put God in a box, because that would make Him an incredibly limited being. But we can always be learning. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus' Real Radio. 
It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel explains what Jesus means when he says that the greatest is love. God's love is beyond the grasp of our minds, but we can seek to know Him daily. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 